Please turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Revelation, chapter 5. That will be our sermon text for this morning. It may seem like an odd sermon text for Christmas morning, but uh, it's actually appropriate in a number of ways. And, uh, of course, the, the most obvious, if you've been with us for a few weeks, is we have been working through the songs of Christmas, and uh, there are multiple songs in this chapter to the Lamb. And so this week we come to the, the songs of the Messiah in Revelation chapter 5. Before we read that, let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for uh, the work of your Son, Jesus. Uh, we thank you that he came in the flesh to bear our sin. We thank you that he became a man and that he did bear not just uh, experiencing the good things of what it means to be a human, but he came to bear sin and death in our place. Father, we pray that you would uh, help us this morning to see Jesus more fully in all his glory. Uh, Help us to rejoice in him and delight in him and rest in him and to know that worthy is the lamb. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Well, it is Christmas morning. And many of us are excited for Christmas celebrations Uh, Presents, family, Christmas cookies, presents. 
for many, Christmas Day is one of those few days of the year that you can at least pretend that, that everything is right with the world. For others, of course, Christmas morning is the loneliest day of the year. Uh, this day, among all others, only highlights the alienation, the broken relationships, and the losses of the year before. Now, if you are in this category, what I am about to say may be easier to understand or receive, but if you're in the former category, just work with me. Try to remember that every morning uh, is not Christmas morning. And while on this morning everything may seem right with the world, every other day of the year we are scrambling for a Savior. And I don't mean a fat man in a red suit. Uh, one of the finalists for police chief in St. Louis said recently, folks, if you are looking for a savior or a miracle, police cannot do this alone. They just can't do it alone. Uh, but that is what we're looking for, isn't it? A savior or a miracle. We want someone to come along and fix life. Uh, we know something is broken and we fantasize about the knight on the white horse riding in and making everything right. Hence all the movies about Christmas miracles, right, where everything comes together just in time for Christmas morning. And this is what superhero movies are all about. Yes, uh, we know the world is broken. Enemies are real. Danger surrounds us. And we want some superhuman to step in and defeat the bad guys, no matter how big and bad they are. Now, uh, we know that superheroes aren't real and Christmas miracles tend not to happen the way we want them to or the way they do in the movies. And so we look to government or education or technology or dynamic individuals, a guru, a scientist, someone who has figured it out, someone who can take charge, someone who will tell it like it is, someone, anyone who can put things right. We are searching for a savior. Now, maybe that's not you. Uh, maybe you think you're just fine, thank you very much. Uh, you don't need a savior, you don't need anyone. Well, let me ask, do you really believe that all is right with the world? Is everything as it should be? Has the longing in you for something better, something more, really died? Well, we're gonna look at Revelation 5 this morning. And uh, we've been working through the songs of Christmas, not, not Rudolph and Frosty, but the song of Zechariah and the song of the angels and the song of Mary. And this morning we come to the songs of the Messiah in Revelation 5. And there are three points to our message this morning. Uh, feel your need, weep no more, and worship the Lamb. Feel your need, weep no more, and worship the Lamb. First, feel your need. You know, most uh, Christmas movies start off with excitement. Uh, but then, as with all good movies, something goes wrong. Tension is introduced into the story. We turn from uh, the happy who's down in Whoville to the Grinch. Or, or Rudolph's nose causes him to miss out on all the reindeer games. Or Jimmy Stewart's business partner loses the deposit. Or Buddy figures out he's not an elf after all. Or Macaulay Calkin is left home alone. Well, the book of Revelation, uh, in chapter 4, we, we have a high note it gives us a picture behind the curtain. Uh, we get a glimpse of the spiritual realities that lie behind what we see and hear and feel every day. Uh, there are things that lie in the future in the book of Revelation, but much of Revelation is simply what's happening now on earth 
from the perspective of heaven. And it starts on a high note. In Revelation 4, John sees a door open in heaven and Jesus calls John to come up here. And so John enters into heaven by the Spirit to see the throne room of God. John sees God's throne and him who was seated on it. And the vision is so glorious. John can only compare the one seated on the throne to jewels and colors. He can't even describe him except to say that it's like a rainbow. Surrounding the throne are 24 elders also on thrones and four creatures covered in eyes with six wings, each having characteristics of a different animal, a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. And these four creatures, night and day, never cease to sing in uh, chapter 4, verse 8, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. But then in chapter 5, John notices something else. The tension is introduced. A scroll in the hand of him who is seated on the throne. It has writing inside and out and is sealed with seven seals. Now, everything in the book of Revelation comes from something that came before it in Scripture. The book of Revelation doesn't introduce new material. It brings to completion and to climax the old, old story. This image of a scroll comes from the prophets, from Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel. The scroll in Ezekiel represents God's plan of judgment. Ezekiel 2, verses 9 and 10. Ezekiel says, And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back. And there was written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. You see, the scroll is the the plan of God given to Ezekiel. And in, in Daniel and Isaiah, this scroll is sealed. Daniel 12, verse 4, we read, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. This vision that is shut up is is not all judgment. In Isaiah, the, the vision is of judgment to Israel's enemies, but for Israel, it is her hope. In Isaiah 29, verses 5 through 7, we read, The multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust. And the multitude of the ruthless like passing chaff. And in an instant, suddenly you will be visited by the Lord of hosts with thunder and with earthquake and great noise with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a devouring fire. And the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, it's another name for Jerusalem, all that fight against her and her stronghold and distress her shall be like a dream. A vision of the night, meaning they'll just disappear in a moment when God comes. But God says in Isaiah 29, 11, a few verses later, and the vision of all this has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And here's the point. Uh, This scroll represents the plan and purposes of God. Judgment, yes, but judgment on God's enemies and salvation for his people. But what we see in the Old Testament is that the scroll is sealed. God's purposes are for the future. For the scroll to be opened, for the seals to be broken, is for God's purposes to come about. That's the imagery. God's purposes are shut up, are sealed, are for the future. This scroll in God's right hand is important. It contains everything for which we long. The purposes of our Father, reconciled relationship, restored creation, peace on earth, This scroll represents the new heavens and the new earth, the consummation of all things, the world as it was meant to be. 
in popular imagination, we would call this the, the bringing about of utopia. In Scripture, it's the restoration of Eden, paradise regained. And so John sees this scroll in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne, that is God, sealed with seven seals. And a mighty angel proclaims with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And do you feel the weight of this question? Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is able to bring about paradise? Who has the power to put down our enemies and bring us freedom and wholeness? Who is going to fix the world? Where do we turn? Again, we, we look to all kinds of places in the present age. We look to governments and technology and education. We look to nonprofits. We look to philosophers and academics. We look to charismatic individuals. Uh, this year's Christmas movie, Spirited, is kind of a fun take on the Christmas carol, and it highlights what I guess is implicit in the Christmas carol story, that the, the hope for the world is that people have the power to change within themselves. That's what the movie is ultimately about. That even the worst people have something decent deep inside. And so where do we look nowadays? We look to each individual's power to change themselves. That's our hope. And so we hope to somewhere find someone who can put things right. And we put our hope in these saviors, even if it's our own power to change, and then life happens and everything falls apart. And we grow disappointed and bitter. Who is worthy? We kind of sneer at that question. Who's going to make everything right? Is anything worthy? Is there a savior or a miracle? And just look at John's vision in verse 3. We read, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. No angel, no politician, no academic, no preacher, no one alive, no one dead. Right? Not Abraham Lincoln, not Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa, not Moses, Moses or Elijah. No one was able to open the scroll. Every attempt at heaven on earth has utterly failed. Every political utopia has become a dystopia. Sin has brought devastation on the earth and every attempt to fix what is broken is itself broken. The muddy hand cannot scrub the dirty garment clean. No one is able to open the scroll. And do you feel the weight of that? And do you feel the weight of the brokenness of this age? Do you feel the, the weight of the brokenness of your heart? Do you know the problems you face every day are just symptomatic of the devastation that sin has brought? And that is not something that can be solved by the end of a Christmas movie. I love Christmas movies, but no musical number is going to turn things around, except perhaps the one here in Revelation chapter 5. Now, I know it's Christmas morning, and you might be thinking, come on, Luke, why do you have to be such a downer on Christmas morning? Your message could have been something much more upbeat than this. But I have to confess that the only way I know how to be upbeat is to first stare sin and death in the face. Do you notice John's response to this fact that no one can open the scroll? In verse 4, he begins to weep loudly, right? messy tears. The plan and purposes of God are sealed. No one is able to open the scroll. Are we doomed to a life of sin and brokenness? Is this the way it will always be? And so John weeps. What causes you to weep? All tears, one way or another, come from the brokenness of this age, from the fact that sin has brought death and things are not as they should be. So first point is 
feel your need. Second point, weep no more. Verse five says this. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Weep no more. Why? Uh, There is one who is worthy. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a reference to Genesis 49, a prophecy of a king coming from the tribe of Judah. He is the root of David. That's a reference to to many prophecies in the Old Testament about a, a branch coming from David who would be king. And yet this is not a branch, but the root, not a product, but the source. This one, the king in the line of Judah, the root of David's house, has conquered. And you might start to to picture a warrior king, a ferocious lion, a conqueror. And the angel says, behold. And so John looks in verse 6, and there in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and the 24 elders, John sees not a lion, not a king, not a warrior, not a conqueror, but a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And we know this lamb is meant to be a picture of Jesus. He is the king of the tribe of Judah. He is in the line of David. He is also elsewhere called the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is called our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed for us. Now, this is one of the many times we have to remind ourselves, of course, that Revelation is a vision. We must not take it in some overly literal fashion. Jesus is not literally a lamb. And he does not literally have seven horns and seven eyes. Just imagine that for a moment and now put it out of your mind. But God communicates to John through a vision. Jesus is pictured as a lamb slain with seven horns and seven eyes. Now, let's take those in reverse order. The seven eyes, John tells us, refer to the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And the point is that Jesus has received the fullness, the seven, of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, why use the image of eyes? Uh, first, eyes refer to knowing, right? You, you, know, uh, you know what it's like when a, when a teacher seems like she has, quote, eyes in the back of her head uh, because she always knows what's going on in the classroom. Well, Jesus knows all perfectly. And because he knows all, he can come to our aid. He has his eye on us to care for us. Uh, The horns refer to Jesus' power, like the horns of a ram or an ox. Uh, Don't mistake his lamb likeness for impotence. He is omniscient and omnipotent, having all knowledge and all power. And yet he stands there as though slain. Now, I'm not even sure what it means to stand as though slain. Uh, But somehow John knows this standing lamb has been slain. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has conquered, how? Through apparent defeat. He has conquered not by slaughtering his enemies, but by being slaughtered. Jesus was victorious, not despite his suffering, but through his suffering. And because Jesus has conquered, verse seven, he goes up and takes the scroll. And verse nine puts it like this. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You see, what makes Jesus worthy? Not that he had killed so many enemies. Not that he erected a new political system. Not that he has a method of education which will raise us out of our present situation. 
but that Jesus was slain and by his blood he ransomed people for God. Jesus, through suffering and death, has paid the price for sin and ransomed us from hell's destruction. Jesus has done what no man before or since has done or could do. He has defeated sin at the cross. He has overcome death in his resurrection. He is worthy. Jesus has dealt with the problem at its root, right? Every other attempt is just a Band-Aid on a cancer patient. Our world is broken. War and sickness and hunger and death and divorce and addiction and wayward children and failed pastors and gunned down children in the streets. Racism and sexism and abuse and systemic issues, family problems, personal sin. We can't, we can't legislate those away. We can't educate our way out of this. Technology does not deal with the heart of the problem. Good things may come through those means, but they do not deal with the root. Jesus goes to the source of what ails us, our sin. Alienation from our Father, guilt, judgment, and death, and he nails it to the cross. He bears it in his body. He suffers and dies, and he rises to make all things new. He is worthy. Weep no more. Again, in in that movie I mentioned before, Spirited, there is a song which literally asks the question, am I forever unredeemable? Uh, People know they need redemption. Secular movies even sing about it. But their answer is, in the end, try a little harder every day and you can redeem yourself. That's not the way it works. Again, verse 8, worthy are you, the Lamb, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. You redeemed people from sin and death by your blood. We can be redeemed not by human effort, but by the blood of the lamb. Now, are your trials still real? Of course. Do you still experience pain and death and trouble and hardship? Yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. But Jesus has conquered. He has defeated our enemies. He has risen from the dead. He has ascended into the heavens. He has struck the death blow to death. A chicken may still be running around the farm, getting blood everywhere, but its head is on the chopping block, right? Satan is defeated. Whatever lastest effort he may make, it's just because he's bitter. And he knows his time is short. Whatever pain and trouble we experience in the present has been defeated and will come to an end on the last day at the resurrection. Christ has conquered. He is worthy. Weep no more. So feel your need. Weep no more. And third, worship the Lamb. This is where this chapter goes. Uh, Worship in song and service. Uh, First, all creation breaks out in song. It begins with the four living creatures and the 24 elders. The four living creatures likely represent all creatures. Uh, Four as in the, the four points of the compass, the four corners of the earth, the lion, ox, eagle, and man representing wild animals and tame, land animals and air, irrational creatures and rational. The 24 elders, perhaps angelic creatures that represent the church in its totality, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles creating one grand assembly symbolically represented by these 24 elders. And when the lamb takes the scroll, the whole lot of them fall down before him in verse 8. Notice everything that's going on here, right? First and foremost, they fall before Jesus and worship. Now, in Revelation 22, at the end of the book, John will fall down before an angel to worship at his feet. And the angel will say, don't do that. I am a fellow servant just like you. 
But notice the lamb says no such thing. He receives the worship of the angels, representing the worship of all creation and all the church. The lamb who was slain is God in the flesh. He's worthy of our worship. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we profess in the incarnation, that the word became flesh, that Jesus was both God and man, truly God and truly man. He is worthy of our worship. Second, notice what the elders are holding, harps and golden bowls full of incense. These elders represent the priestly role of the church in offering prayer and praise. The response to the lamb's worth is prayer and praise. The God-man, the lion-lamb has defeated sin and death by offering up himself a sacrifice for sin. He is worthy to open the scroll. The purposes of God for creation have begun to play out through Jesus and in the church. And so we sing. And notice the ever-growing chorus here. It begins with the four living creatures and the 24 elders in verses 8 and 9. And then in verse 11, innumerable angels join in the song. Ten thousands of ten thousands. That's what myriads of myriads means. Finally, in verse 13, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them join in the song. There is this ever-expanding choir that eventually includes all creatures. And the four living creatures in verse 14 say, Amen. It's such a small word. And we use it so often, but it is our final response to God. Amen. God has said all and done all, and we can only echo back to his praise. Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that this chapter ends in worship, in song and service. Uh, The song in verses 9 to 10 says this, Worthy are you to take up the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Christ has redeemed people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Not, Not all people, but people from every people group. And Christ has made us a kingdom and priests. As priests, we worship in song, prayer, and praise, but as kings, we reign, says verse 10. As Christ reigns with his Father, so we reign with Christ. Now, there's a fullness of this to come in the resurrection, but it has begun already. We reign with him as we bring our lives into submission at the feet of Jesus. We order our little corner of the universe in surrender to King Jesus. We no longer live as slaves of sin, but as was intended in the garden, we wisely order creation to the end of Jesus' glory. We worship the Lamb in song and service. Do you know your need? Do you feel the brokenness of this age? The churches to whom John wrote, they knew it. They faced persecution and temptation, heresy, slander, false teaching, imprisonment, immorality. We face the same things today. Maybe in different forms, but the same things. The devil either tempts, deceives, or destroys. Who can make things right? Who can restore the world to what it was meant to be? Who can judge the oppressor and make all things new? This is the message of Christmas. The the, the one who was born, who could conquer sin, who would conquer sin and restore creation. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to take the scroll and open its seals. Weep no more. He has conquered. He is worthy. Let's pray. 
Our Father, open our eyes to see Jesus, to behold the Lamb who was slain, and to rejoice in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.